Ebb and flow inspires persistence and determination during the rhythmical patterns of decline and regrowth in life. Each episode, I bring on an inspiring and influential voices who are here to help us stand strong and walk through the ebb moments of life and propel us to the peak of our health, physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, so we can live our life in the flow, individually and collectively. This includes strategies, habits, routines, focus tricks, questions, and much more that we can use to live our life in the best way in order to maximize our service to others. Thanks for joining me today. I hope you're as excited for the Ebb and Flow podcast as I am, but to make sure you don't miss any episodes, subscribe now on any stream, check out YouTube, or visit SolomonEzra.com to learn more. Last week, I shared my conversation with Onnit's Chief Fitness Officer, John Wolfe. And today, you'll hear my other guest, Kyle Kingsbury. Kyle Kingsbury is a former college football player and former mixed martial artist, and now he is on its director of human optimization and the host of on its podcast, Human Optimization Hour. Our conversation really captures the other areas of growing that I love diving into. That's optimizing different aspects of one's life in order to improve one's life in service for others. Optimization is not about making life easier, you'll hear Kyle say. It's about knowing how to tackle the challenges ahead of you, as well as welcoming them. Optimizing requires not just working out, but a desire to work in and fine-tune what's right for you. It was a true honor to sit down with Kyle Kingsbury, and I hope you can gain some type of insight today. I'm here today at Onnit Labs with my man, Kyle Kingsbury. How are you doing today, bro? I'm doing good, brother. How are you? I'm doing excellent. I'm just honestly still kind of in shock because of the, the honor, you know, from meeting you last time I came here and being able to reach out and, and get in, you know, pretty quick and to be able to talk to you about things I'm interested in and, and what you're doing and what you guys are doing here. So I'd love to, before we get in a little bit more, one, I noticed that your birthday is coming up, so I wanted to wish you a happy birthday. Thank you, my man. How, you, how old are you turning? And look, uh, be young. I will be thirty-seven. So thirty-seven, officially starting my late thirties. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome, good. awesome. Well, I reached out to you, like, and I gave you a card last time I here because I noticed, you know, when I was listening to you and reading up about you, I know some kind of similarity from, you know, we uh, both college athletes. You played college football, and I'm really curious about, you know. A little bit about your background, you know, coming from you, because I can read it online and stuff, but it's not the same to me. And I wanted to to get a little bit more clarity on, you know, what pe- you would like people to know about you and what I can get about Kyle and, um, you know, making that transition. Well, one, getting into playing football, what it was that you really loved about football, and then making that transition from, you know, kind of a a conventional sport like football to more of like a martial arts, which is also something I'm trying and getting more into myself. Very cool. Yeah. I mean, I, I started football when I was 10 and fell in love with it immediately. I, I remember I played soccer for a year and I got kicked out of games to give me red cards. Anytime it was a little too aggressive, that kind of thing. And then football was like, Oh, this is exactly what I'm supposed to do. And I loved it. Uh, Ended up walking on to Arizona State. I knew I wasn't going to play pro because I wasn't seeing much, much game time. And there mm-hmm. was guys that had gone, you know, started every game all four years and not gone pro. So it's a pretty big jump from high school to college, and then another big jump from college to the NFL. Um, after that, you know, really had a, one of the hardest points in my life. Struggled with depression, different things like that, and then found mixed martial arts, and that kind of that gave me the human element that I was missing from just lifting weights and running. And once I got into mixed martial arts, uh, it wasn't long before I had my first fight. I won my first two fights in under 30 seconds and I was hooked. So I think from there, uh, what was it that, you know, like, cause after, after bat, uh, like for myself, the basketball, you know, like, whoa, what's kind of next stuff. Mm-hmm. And like you were saying, you kind of went through a little bit of a depression how did what from that time until you kind of found martial arts what what was kind of going on through your head what was how did it how did you kind of attract it because now you know the things that you're getting into that i love listening about uh meditation 
cold therapy that you were talking to me about and, and even like plant, plant medicines mm-hmm. and whatnot. Now you know that you were like attracting that stuff to you because it was leading you to kind of more fulfilled stuff. Yeah, yeah. There's, uh, I mean, these are all tools, right? Meditation, breath work, uh, and all forms of meditation, not just sitting quietly, but walking meditation, Tai Chi, Qigong. Um, however many tools you have in the toolbox just allows you to, to sort your problems a little bit easier, you know? And the plant medicines have been really, it's, they, they call it psychic surgery for a reason. I mean, you're going in there and you're going you're gonna to dig out some stuff and hopefully you're prepared for it and you have the right guidance around you. But, um, you know, that didn't really come. I was still in a place where I just enjoyed hitting people. I enjoyed hitting people in, in football. I played defensive line. I love button heads and, and smashing dudes like a ram. Um, this was before shoulder tackling became a thing. And uh, um, I fought a lot growing up too. You know, I had a lot of anger and stuff like that from childhood. And uh it really was like the perfect storm. When college football ended, I hated what I was learning in school. I knew I didn't want to go into sales, which both my parents had been in. Mm-hmm. Uh, 100% commission-based jobs is pretty fucking stressful when you're not sure what you're going to make the next month and you've got bills to pay and children to feed. So I didn't, I didn't like what the future looked like for me. And all that coupled with, you know, I was at the number one party school in the nation at ASU. So there was a lot of bad drugs in the mix, you know, pressed ecstasy tabs and cocaine and a shit ton of alcohol. And then I had a doctor who would give me anything I wanted. So I had Vicodin, Xanax, Valium and all these, you know, like anti doctor. Sorry. Uh, no, he was, he was, uh, he wasn't a doctor on the team. He was just a, a local guy, a naturopath out in, out in Scottsdale who later got in trouble <laughs> for <laughs> fucking just handing people whatever they wanted. But, um, you know, it's funny because it, it, now, you know, fighting taught me so much about the body and the mind and, and how to really hone in things and dial in my, my physical, mental, emotional. And of course that led to the spiritual, but before that, um, you know, like it's just, it, I, I did think of the body as mechanical, like, like Western yeah. medicine does like, Oh, I have anxiety. That's just a, an imbalance, so I'll take this pill and it'll fix it. But it's not sorting the root cause of that, right? right? So like Gabor Mate says that the, at the source, at the root of all addiction is trauma. And it doesn't matter what you're addicted to, whether it's shopping or TV or whatever, that's an es- a form of escape. And it could be gambling, it could be anything. And some things are worse to be addicted to than others, you know. But in that, you know, if I was taking um, – anti-anxiety pills and I stopped what comes back anxiety yeah full-fledged right uh if I'm I don't if it's a weekend and we're partying hard and I got friends in town and I'm staying up till 5 a.m not sleeping that's fucking up neurochemistry for weeks going forward you know it's not like I have to pay for that the next day and mm-hmm. I'm hung over like that'll last a couple weeks with serotonin and dopamine being fucked with so in those experiences and not really knowing, just kind of wandering aimlessly through life, um, it was very easy to spiral downward. Plus, I hadn't unpacked anything uh, at this root cause, like Gabor Mate is talking about. So, um, fighting initially was just another outlet for me. It was an outlet for my anger. It was a way to source, like legally being allowed to hurt people, and and that's something I was looking for. <laughs> um, over time, that transitioned into I want to be the best version of myself. And thankfully, I was surrounded by really great people. I trained at American Kickboxing Academy with Kane Velasquez and Daniel Cormier and Luke Rockhold. And I uh, had some phenomenal coaches. And one of my coaches was um, Native American and Mexican. And he would take me to the reservation to do traditional plant medicine ceremonies. And that's really where I got my first introduction in how to use plant medicines appropriately with respect and reverence and intention. And... Um, yeah, I mean, the guy taught me how to pray, too. I mean, he taught me a lot of things that I was unaware of that I had only been introduced to in a Western mindset. Yeah, and so the f- prayer I get, I can only imagine is so much. Well, I can imagine a little bit. But, you know, it's so different. Yeah. You know, it's not just reading out of a book at church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or listening to somebody else tell you their interpretation of something. You know, I mean, it, it is a direct experience. And that's something Dennis McKenna says that, the difference between psychedelics and religion is 
you have a direct experience with the divine. It's not someone, you know, someone else telling you what it is or what it meant 2000 years ago. It, it's right now and you can experience it for yourself. And those are my first like really religious experiences, spiritual experiences. And it uncovered and unpacked quite a bit of the, the root issues, you know, and it allowed me to see things with new eyes, new perspective. And, um, it was, it was the, the, the catalyst for a lot of healing, you know, but at the same time, um, you know, when I, when I finished football and I didn't know what I was going to do and I didn't like what was on the table, that was a huge reason for being depressed because I had no motivation. There was no drive. There was no spark for life. Yeah. When I left fighting and I had plant medicines, I didn't know what I was going to do, but there was zero depression leaving fighting because my mind had changed. You know, I had, I had a, a new concept of trust, faith, and belief that I had never had before. So I didn't know what I was going to do. I didn't know I'd get into podcasting or wind up in on it. But I had the trust that all I have to do is follow my passions and my dreams and shit will sort itself out. And that's exactly what happened. You know, I was working at a strip club about 30 hours a week and, you know, 10, 11 hour shifts. And I'd be in there just reading books, reading books on mobility from Kelly Sturette or you not know, by watching the dancers. No, no I'm just kidding. No, <laughs> not by watching the dancers. I mean, it's funny. People are like, man, you're you going to college. And I'm like, no, it's just stuff that interests me, you know, and I'd, and I'd be studying every shift, you know, and then it gets super busy at night and I'd put the book away. But while it was downtime, you know, I'd be, I'd be just learning as much as I possibly could. And now I have a, a place, I have a platform to share that information with people. Yeah. That's, that's one thing I noticed that I, I love about is what really helps with kind of personalizing information you're learning is being able to talk to it, talk about it, talk it out loud. Um, and then, you know, I've, I've heard you on various podcasts and talking about different things as always also mentioning, but, uh, before we got on the air, like you're, you're just have a, you know, array of different kind of knowledge. So what, when you're, you're, you're reading about the different, uh, mobility and whatnot, what led you to hear at on it to now being the director of human, human optimization? Uh, can you tell a little bit of story about that as well? And then what, you know, for, because my, my audience I want to go after is more like m my kind of millennial, you know, I'm 22, but let's say 18 to 30. Mm -hmm. I want to get more people like in college, like you are noticing, you know, even at big schools to care more about, you know, in sleep and stuff. Because now, you know, like you were saying about uh, when you were in college, all the different uh, maybe drugs not you were doing but other i was doing bad drugs <laughs> for sure but uh, you, we Arizona didn't we, you didn't know how it affected <laughs> yeah everything yeah now we do especially like with your latest podcast on the whoop band yeah like we can actually measure it and see it mm -hmm. kind of stuff yeah no doubt um well let's see here uh i think you know i'll tackle how i got to on it but really um yeah i think i think the way i got to on it wasn't about, you know, mobility and things like that. There was, there was a few different avenues that I wanted to learn. One had to do with what will make me better at fighting. So mm. mobility, uh, performance, longevity, you know, I'm, I read super training, which is a fucking extensive book on, on strength conditioning. Um, I mean, there's many, many different avenues that I went with that to help me with fighting, but something I studied in college was psychology, communication, and sociology. Mm. I, under, I, I really enjoyed learning what made people make people tick, you know, and that's, yeah. that's something that for obvious reasons, you know, like <laughs> who, who uh, I think it was Dr. Dan Engel that said, who becomes a psychologist, the people that are the most fucked up because they're trying to understand themselves just as much as they're trying to understand other people. And, wow. um, not to say all psychologists have their shit, but pretty much everyone on the planet has something going on. And, um, so that, that, that continued to fascinate me. So I've, you know, I continue to read a ton of different things. Um, Eckhart Tolle's A New Earth was one of my all-time favorite books. I've read it 12 or 13 times. I'm about to run it back again. I think it's a, it's a good book to read annually because I always pick up new information from it. But really, there was, there was much more in what I was studying that was outside of, um, I guess, physical optimization. And um, I, I went on Rogan's a couple years ago the first time and uh, he recommended I started a podcast, which he does with a lot of people and finally got around to it. And, um, I was, 
pretty much just getting all the people that I loved and respected, you know, guys like Ben Greenfield, people like that. And I wanted to meet Aubrey because I was a huge fan of his. Obviously, you know, we've both done ayahuasca a number of times and I just wanted to give him a hug. So I, uh, I came out to Paleo FX in 2017 and I met a guy from on it, uh, become a buddy of mine. And, and he was like, what do you want to do while you're here? And I was like, well, I really want to meet a couple people. I want to meet John Durant. I want to meet Aubrey Marcus. I want to meet Mark Sisson if I can. And he was like, well, I can, Aubrey's no problem. I can get you to meet Aubrey. So we ended up going to a dinner with him. That was a super crowded table, Greenfield, John Durant, a bunch of people are there. So it was a fun dinner, but, and we got to chat a bit, but didn't really have that much one-on-one -on -one time. And then chance would have it. Uh, we're both on the same flight back to Vegas at the end of Paleo FX. And he saved a seat for me. It was me, him, and uh, the master trainer here, John Wolf. And the three of us sat next to each other, trading war stories for three plus hours on plant medicines, fasting, longevity, performance, you name it. And Ab at the end was like, yo, I want you to come work for me at Onnit. And uh, awesome. it wasn't long after that, I had a job here. And the thing that I love about the job is that I'm, I'm really paid to learn. So it's, it's, it is the exact thing that I want to do. And on top of that, um, I'm allowed to talk about fucking everything because <laughs> what is total human optimization? It's optimization of the physical, of course, but it's the mental, emotional, and spiritual as well. And having that deeper connection, that is the guiding light in wanting to accomplish stuff and leave a legacy behind, you know, Absolutely. otherwise it's just, let me put food on the table and enjoy myself. Yeah. I got a question and it's to address some friends or some crowd of people that I know, um, back home and who I have grown up around when they hear the idea of total human optimization, they may think, and it could become from, you know, how they were raised and stuff total human optimization, you know, it's kind of idealistic, but can you dive into what does to total human optimization really mean? Because, you know, I'm, I'm familiar as I've dove in and, you know, looked into on it, you know, it's not for the sake of, you know, being all big and, you know, awesome as a human, but it's for a specific purpose for a real, you know, divine intention. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think one of the, the general, concepts behind it is to live each day a little bit better than the day previous. And with that in mind, it doesn't mean that I will be progressively happier each day, you know, chasing happiness is that's really like not the aim. You know, it's yeah, it's it's about really fine tuning what's right for you and experimenting with different things, trying them on for size. And as you go through that, exploring it in all areas. So as we talked about the physical, the mental, the emotional, the spiritual, if I have some level of mastery in each of those things, my general feeling as I go through life is going to be far better than if I'm a master of one and suck at the others. You know, we, we've seen great meditators who are, are amazing spiritual teachers and you know, they couldn't run a mile without having a heart attack. And then there's super yoked fitness dudes who are awesome and they don't have their mind right. You know, everything <laughs> they walk across a guy that's bigger than them. They yeah. freak the fuck out and go back to the gym to hit another, you know, sets of 20 on deadlift and shit like that. So, I mean, really it's about balance and that's different for everyone, but, uh, where your focus will eventually go to is that weak link. You know, it's fun to work on your strengths and when you're really good at something, you want to continue that. But, it is about balance, about filling in the gaps and making sure that you're well-rounded. And, um, you know, from there, it's total human optimization is not about making life easier. It's about knowing how to tackle the challenges that are ahead of you and then welcoming those challenges. Because, you know, as our, as our good buddy, Eric Godsey, has, has pointed out to us, resistance is the thing that makes you better. There's no doubt. And oftentimes we have blinders on when we're in the hard struggle of life we look at that as like, fuck, life is happening to me. Um, the shit's hitting the fan. It'll never get better as opposed to really appreciating what's going on, you know, bless the struggle. And then from there, hindsight, usually you can look back on things that were really hard times in your life and, and understand like this helped me get to be the person that I am today. This yeah. helped me shift some things around that made my life better because of that. And if you look at anything in life, if it's really hard, 
it's probably worth it. You know, cold baths that are 50 degrees, they'll do the job, but cold baths that are 35 degrees, they're really going to get the job done. They're going to lower inflammation. Yeah. They're going to jack up neurochemistry. They're going to burn more fat. I mean, there's, a, there's so many more things that you can get from, from the harder thing that it is. You know, if you do long, slow distance running, that's really good for cardio, but high intensity intervals is even better for testosterone, growth hormone, fat loss, those kind of things. So if you can push the envelope in all directions, uh, you get more bang for your buck. You get more reward for that. And I think, um, you know, and that goes into all things. It's not just physical. I'm not giving physical examples, but work hard, rest hard. So a uh, concept Paul Check gave me was when you're working out, it's energy expending. But when you're working in, it's energy building. So I like this concept of working in would be things like breath work, Tai Chi, Qigong, where you're actually charging your cells up with oxygen and getting your body back up to a place where it can perform. Mm -hmm. More importantly, or equally importantly, you're shifting from that sympathetic go, 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 which we're fucking all in in the West, into the parasympathetic rest and digest calming aspect that we re rarely get to, you know, and that's something that's critical for everyone, whether you're a fucking high-end businessman or a stay-at-home mom who has a shit ton on her plate from, from raising kids. Yeah, imagine putting a whoop band on them, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's just, there's, it doesn't matter what you do. There's a lot going on. And yeah. I think taking time for yourself every single day is absolutely critical. And that could mean a five minute yoga meditation in the morning and a five minute uh, or five minute meditation in the morning, five minute in the evening and 30 minutes of yoga during the day, whatever it is for you, having something where you're basically adding back to your reserves. You gotta put deposits back into your savings Otherwise, you're paying for everything on credit and mm -hmm. you're going to owe that at some point. Yeah, I like what you said earlier about, well, I mean, a lot of it. And I, I want to just keep like adding on to so many of you what you said. But like you were saying about, you know, during during kind of resistance or dip, difficult times and then down the road, we always kind of look back in hindsight and see that oh, I'm grateful for that experience. You know, that I'm sure you are for you know the transitions you made and myself from the injuries so i really liked uh what aubrey spoke about one time i heard you know if we know that we're going to be grateful in hindsight wouldn't that just make us be more grateful now because then we can learn the lessons faster yeah and that's he calls that using hindsight as foresight hindsight is foresight right so however many tough experiences you've been through and survived which we all have you know and it's all it's all perspective so you know, the kid who grows up with super wealthy parents, I love using this example, but they, they did a study on kids who were beat, physically beat from their parents versus kids who had um, super wealthy parents that provided everything for them financially but were never around and didn't pay attention to them. The kids who were beat felt more love from their parents wow. than the kids who grew up with rich parents that were never around because rich parents didn't give a fuck. They didn't show interest. They just gave money, gave yeah, things. They just gave money and they weren't around. And then the, the parents who beat them showed that they cared about their actions. As, as poorly as that is, they showed, like, I care when you do this thing and I'm going to discipline you for it. So that's, that's a fascinating study to me because... Where was that done, sorry? Uh, I forget, man. I, I read it probably I a read long that. time ago. I think it actually might have been in college when I read that in a psychology course. But... um. So this would have been 15 years ago, but it, I mean, it's, you can Google it. Uh, I think that when you understand things like that, it's, it just lets you know, like, it doesn't matter how you grew up, you've got shit to sort through, you know? And if you can understand that, that's really where hindsight is foresight becomes a factor because life can be perfect and then shit comes back up. It's just the way it works. We're constantly in this ebb and flow of ease, stress, ease, stress. And hopefully we can stretch the ease and the enjoyment of life and then make the stress more acute and less chronic. But oftentimes it's the opposite of that. Oftentimes we're, we're in chronic levels of stress. We don't know how to shake that. And the, the periods of ease and enjoyment are far less than, than we, we should have them. And I think that's really where we see a lot of disease coming from. You know, all these things come from stress and, and stress chronically in the body is going to affect you 
negatively, no matter what it is, whether you're overtraining consistently, whether you're eating a problematic food consistently, whether you have a lack of sleep consistently, you know, all these people that are on the Jocko Willink tip trying to get four or five hours of sleep and get up and crush the day. That's fucking unsustainable, you know? And then all you got to do is read Why We Sleep by Matthew Walker, yeah. and you're, you'll understand that we need more than that. Mm -hmm. What's but the other one I know you 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 speak about that you really like? Uh, sleep by Nick Little Hales, Little Hales is my favorite how-to guide for really good sleep. Uh, why We Sleep is the favorite why. What about Sean Stevenson's? Have you read that one? Uh, sleep I have Smarter. Not. I have not. Yeah, Sleep Smarter. Um, Aubrey's had him on his podcast, but I haven't, I haven't dove into his book yet. I, I, you brought up ebb and flow and that's what I'm actually in the process of shifting my uh, podcast name to because I love that concept because from sports from growing up what was when I would ask myself when I was making the decision to get out of uh, basketball and I asked myself like man what was it that I really loved about this game it was that flow that zone mm -hmm. you know that whether somebody has experience with writing a paper where the paper writes them or they're in a conversation and it's like a dance or in sports and you just I remember there was one time in high school we were like down 15 I just hit three 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 like you know you, and then it ends and you're like what just happened so I love that concept that you brought up also ebb and flow because when you're in the flow and and you and you're able to get into that more often through different things that I also want to, to hear from you about like you touch on sleep diet and we'll get into it but um, what to, to be able to get through those ebb moments you have to have some kind of idea of where you're going because that's how now we know how the mind works you know when you can focus on something like you were doing with MMA, like you were doing with football. How else did you get to a high level? You knew what you wanted. Um, what tips would you suggest or do you have with getting clear on that kind of where you have, where you are and then breaking it down? Like you were mentioning earlier, um, you read um, Eckhart Tolle's book, mm -hmm. you know, once a year at least, mm -hmm. you know, but it's breaking down those that longer term, let's say three to five year goal or where you want to get to and then bringing, breaking it down because I notice around like some friends or some things, you know, I can say like, hey, let's try and get some more sleep or let's not stay out kind of thing like as consistently as we might do. Yeah. But it, it just doesn't click. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think when you're young, you can get away with it, you know, and certainly there's less hangovers and your body deals. But I would I would get shit faced at night and be on the football field at 5 a.m. the next day for for sprint work and be fine. So that's just a difference between 22 and 37. But um, eventually, you know, and Paul check says this sooner or later, your health will be your number one concern eventually, either on your fucking deathbed or you, you get diagnosed with cancer or sometime it's going to become your number one concern. Um, I think, you know, a great book that I read was Stealing Fire by uh, Jamie Wheel and Stephen Kotler. And they talk quite a bit about flow states in that. Mm -hmm. But really, when we get to this flow state, which is just a timeless act of being 100% present in the now. So that flows right in with with a new earth by Eckhart Tolle. Um, how you hack that is doing something you love. Right. And it's also being prepared when you show up to be the best version of yourself. That means being well rested not having, you know, a ton of ticky tack injuries and pain in the body, because if you have a fucked up knee and you're trying to go for a run and get in the flow, you're going to feel that knee the whole time. You're going to be thinking about it the whole time. And it's going to be pretty damn hard mm -hmm. to snap yourself out of that and get into a flow state. Um, so maybe you don't run on a hurt knee. Maybe you do something else. Maybe you get in the pool and that allows you to get in the flow. But it is about finding something that you really enjoy and you play in that experience. And the more you're playing and the more you're in enjoyment, the easier it is to hack flow. Mm -hmm. When you're nervous or you have fear come up or there's pain in the body, then it's, it's pretty hard because there's this constant distracting noise around you that's calling your attention away yeah. from just being in the moment. Absolutely. And what you were saying, like with as a runner, like a, a runner loves to run, but it's also part of that flow is getting to some kind of understanding, you know, of, um, like being able to 
be be humble or you know accept that okay maybe i shouldn't run because otherwise and that's why i love about sleep recovery health nutrition diet etc because that also brings some kind of clarity of mind to be able to ex and the spirituality part to accept okay like yeah i love running but i probably shouldn't run today because i'm aware of how my body is kind of thing so um yeah, well, can, yeah. Having that awareness is, yeah. is critical. But I mean, again, you know, like there's been plenty of times in fighting where I just pushed through something because I had a fight coming up, mm -hmm. you know, and there's I mean, if you're in season in football, a lot of guys I watched a lot of teammates. I held their hand while they were getting cortisone shots to still play the game. Guys that never went pro, uh, but were starters at ASU. And, you know, I had to grip their hand hard when they're getting a hip injection or a knee injection so they could continue to play. Is that worth it? I don't know. You know, it's easy to look back on that and say, no, that wasn't worth it. They're a realtor now or fill in the blank. But at that time in your life, it's okay to push. You know, when you get a little older and it's more about longevity, what the fuck is the reason to push through that pain? There's not really a reason to do that. You can work around that and get stronger. I remember when I was working out with Jesse Burdick, um, was a great powerlifting coach at a CSA in Dublin, California. I pulled my adductor doing a really wide, like too wide sumo deadlift. And he asked me, well, what can you do? You know? And so we, we moved my legs in and he's like, can you do a box squat? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, is there any pain? I'm like, no, there's no pain. He's like, all right, we got that exercise. And he's like, can you do a conventional deadlift with your feet close? And I kind of did it. And I was like, I can feel it a little bit. And he goes, bring your feet closer. And I did it. And he's like, no pain, no pain. Okay. No pain. All right. We got that one. So we just went through the list and what we did was for six weeks, I got stronger in all those other lifts, still training the lower body without affecting that injury, without that pulled adductor. And then as it got better and better, I was able to slowly widen my stance to something that was comfortable and go back to sumo deadlifting, which is where I was hurt in the first place, but I didn't have to take six weeks off. Right? So you really can have, and not a lot of people know this, but there are ways to work around injuries. And if you can figure those out, you can continue to get better and maybe develop some things that have been lacking. You know, like I, and this is just one example, but I'd always train, you know, West side method in college with super wide legged uh, squats and deadlifts and things like that to activate more of the posterior chain. Now was an opportunity for me to work with close legged stance, you know, and to, and to get into that a little bit more quad dominant, things like that. So, and that's just a example. If I can't, do walking meditation, I can stand and do Qigong outside in the sun, or yeah. I can go sit comfortably. And if I can't sit in half Lotus because of my knee pain or something like that, I can sit on a yoga cushion or a couple yoga blocks, or I can kneel, or I can sit in a chair if I have to, or just lean up against the wall with my legs out, whatever the case is, I can mm -hmm. find a position that's comfortable and actually get into pretty deep meditation. So just, I think it's important that people think of workarounds Cause it doesn't matter what it is, you know, like I, I got a good friend of mine, Kurt Shroud was on the show, tore his bicep and he was on an airdyne bicycling as hard as he could with one arm cause it's arms and legs, but he's using his legs mo yeah. mostly and, and one arm. And that's how he stayed in shape during his bicep tear until it had healed up and he could start to use that arm again. So having workarounds, I mean, there's really no excuse. And I've seen this with, with uh, guys and gals in the military have lost their legs and just have ripped bodies because they never stopped. You know, they constantly climb ropes and do pull-ups and push-ups and sit-ups and fire anything they can. Right? They're not going to stop. Nice. With all the research and you know the learning from strip club days and getting to where you are now and what you're constantly learning. As you said, you get paid to learn, which is incredible. What would you say the biggest kind of takeaways and tips with you know diet recovery kind of performance that you've learned so far yeah i would say a great place for people to start is the book how to eat move and be healthy by paul check uh it's really well rounded that's one of the first books that i read that kind of got me on this path and it covers the basics of movement push pull squat hinge rotational stuff um how we move like primal movement patterns 
you know, how humans are designed to move and how to train for movement rather than muscle. You know, a lot of people get into strength and conditioning and they're like, we want bigger arms. So they're going to have arm day and you know, you're doing calves and abs and it's like a traditional bodybuilder split, but 99% of the population doesn't need to train that way. You know, if I train squats, deadlifts and, and some different rotational stuff and gait from running and doing lunges, I'm going to have a pretty good trunk, pretty good core. I'm going to be able to jump and run really well. You'll and feel so, better. yeah, I'll feel better and I'll be less stiff and I'll have usable muscle, usable strength. Um, but that's just one idea, I guess. And, and he talks about that in there. He talks about the reasons you should eat organic food, um, how to sort out if you have, there's a lot of questionnaires. So how to sort out if you have any type of fungal or bacterial infections, um, you know, it just, it just goes super deep. And then he gets into Qigong practices as well at the end. He calls them zone exercises in the book. And those have been incredibly helpful for me. So there's a little bit of everything in that book. I think it's a great place to start. That's kind of an umbrella of all the things I'm talking about. Uh, if you really want to dive into more of a, a specific diet for yourself, then I think Wired to Eat by Rob Wolf is a great place to start. Um, if you've got nagging injuries from old sports, then becoming a supple leopard by Dr. Kelly Sturette is great. If you don't really have your mind, jam packed. Like. Yeah. It's the head to toe fix your own body by yourself book. Um, and it's critical, you know, it's a real, there's a lot of great information in that, but, um, you know, and then of course the new earth by Eckhart Tolle is, is great for mindset, for understanding, uh, flow state, you know, really, I mean, it is a how to for flow. If you're present, you're going to hack flow a hell of a lot easier than if you're thinking about a past you don't want to recreate or a future you don't want. It's true. You know, it's about being here. You know, Ram Dass says, be here now in anything you do. Be here now. It's, it's easy to think about the next thing or even if you are present to think like, well, how long will this last? Well, now you're not in the present moment anymore. You're not just being you're thinking about the thing that you're doing. Yeah. No, even with uh, podcasting and stuff. You know, being present, like trying to ask questions, you know, like a thought will come up. What can I ask next, for example? But then I'm like, well, hold on. Then I'm not really listening mm -hmm. as an example. Yeah. So that's really yeah. cool. And that's I like what I for sure had yeah. to deal with when I first started interviewing people was that having all my ducks in a row and how do I transition to the next thing rather than just going with the flow of the conversation and taking it where it and actually go. listening. Yeah. What tips would you would you uh, offer then for me? Because. Uh, also, I want to get your opinion on uh, this is like pre prepping for a podcast is kind of like, you know, film study and stuff for a uh, like a, a basketball or football game. Like when I started getting into this, I was like, <clears throat> you know, I'm just going to have conversations with people that I'm, I look up to. But now it's like, no, you need to re be respectful of the time. You know, what can I learn from this kind of prepare so then you can also get more into that flow. Yeah, I think it's about, you know, and it's it's everyone's podcast is different. So whatever the topics of conversation or the type of audience you want to attract to you, that's something to be mindful of because you need to speak to those people. But really, you know, when I have a guest on, I want to know what they're into and I want to know what's new for them, too, because quite often we have people on podcasts that have been on a number of other podcasts and you don't necessarily want to tell the same stories, you know, and I, I will always preface like, hey, I know I've said this a lot, but it's applicable here. Um, Rogan is the same thing. But um, really, you know, having a clear cut idea of what attracts what's attractive to you about a certain person, you know, what is it that they're into that you want to know more of? It's kind of like uh, what Chris Ryan said about writing a book. You don't write about what you know about. You write about what you want to learn about. And so when you have a guest on that fascinates you for whatever reason, dive into the thing that fascinates you because that's where the passion is and that's where their passion is. Obviously, if they're an expert in that field, because then, you know, that'll really get them to open up and talk about the thing that, that pushes them and gives them the drive to, to live life to the fullest. Yeah. Well, then continuing with that, you have any suggestions with if somebody wants to get into podcasts or anything. Yeah. Tim Ferriss, he wrote a blog years ago saying, you know, basically your first five podcasts are going to suck. doesn't matter how yeah, many yeah. times you've been interviewed when you're on the other side of the mic interviewing somebody, you're going to suck. 
and that's okay. Most podcasts don't make it past five episodes. So if you can record like six to 10 before you release and then release in chunks and then go to once a week or twice a week or whatever the frequency that you're, you're comfortable with, uh, the odds of you continuing are much greater. But just understanding that there is this arc of how good you are at, at interviewing people or having conversations, if it's less of an interview and more of a conversation, all that gets better with time. And it's all time in. It's like it's no different than cage time when you're fighting in the octagon. The more time you have in the cage, the better you're going to be going forward because you have situational awareness. And situational awareness is something where, you know, I've if something comes up for me, I and I have awareness of that situation because I've been there before. It's far easier to navigate those waters than if mm -hmm. it's fucking brand new and I have a no idea what to do in a situation yeah. like that. You know, so I mean, it's just time in staying consistent with it and then do your prep. You know, I can really tell when people have taken a look at, at what I'm into and that goes a long way. That makes me want to, you know, give a good interview if I'm on this side of the fence. Um, and there's, there's other times, you know, where people, you can tell they're just winging it and that's okay too. But really, you know, I think it goes a long way. A guy, uh, Josh Trent, who runs a wellness force radio, I've never met somebody who prepped more than that guy. Really? He had a fucking iPad with, it looked like a book and it was all on me. <laughs> I was like, let me see that thing. Yeah. I want to learn more yeah, about myself. Yeah, he's like, I don't know if we'll get to every question. And I was like, fuck man. And I've been podcasting. Does he keep, does he keep it like by him kind of like this? Yep. Yep. And I, you know, I, I do a fair amount of prep for people. And, and if we have an author on, I try to read their book before I have them on. I think that goes a long way in, in having ideas of what to talk about with people, but not everyone's an author. Not everyone's been on podcasts before. Um, some things you may run into are if it's the first time somebody's been on a podcast, they might know their shit, but they could be really nervous. Or they may be dialed in, but they not, may not be a great speaker. So all those things are factors, and you learn as you go. You know, I've learned which groups of people are typically better than others, and there's some groups of people that I avoid. Um, you know, I would say namely fighters uh, I avoid unless it's somebody that I really know can can do well on the yeah. microphone just because it's a lot of the time uh, that's the most important thing in their life and that's all they're into. And I want more than that. So and that's not me shitting on fighting. I love fighting. I'm still a massive fan of the sport. And there's still people that I want to interview like Daniel Cormier and Luke Rockhold. But outside of that, you know, it's it's um, it's pretty slim. Like just wanting to surround yourself kind of more and being able to have conversations with people that are more kind of like-minded interests. Like-minded interests, but people I can learn from too. You know, it's not, I'm not trying to get people on that are into the same shit that I'm into. You know, I want to learn from people. We had Anahata on to talk about Native American wisdom. That's something I want to learn about. Um, we have meditation experts on because I want to learn more about meditation. Uh, there's just, in any, in any particular field, you can always learn more. I mean, we're in the information age, right? You know, and so really understanding that, um, listening to people on other shows who've been guests or if they have their own podcast, it really helps because then you can get a feel for what they're about. And uh, those typically turn out to be the best interviews for me because I have a general consensus on, on what they're gonna talk about and what they're knowledgeable about. But we've had authors on that have been incredible too, you know, James Clear wrote Atomic Habits, was for sure one of my favorite guests I've ever had. And he, he just knows the fucking material. Yeah. And he's been a guest on several other podcasts, so it, it's not like that was his first round with me. But um, anytime you get somebody like that, you can get into a flow of conversation really easily. Yeah, and just be talking about something new, something more engaging. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. I want to jump back a little bit to nutrition, kind of diet, something that like when I learned from you guys about big – uh, stuff you know cold therapy and um, intermittent fasting and Aubrey talks about like in his book a lot going for like a green juice as opposed to you know some kind of multivitamins because correct me if I'm wrong you absorb it better yeah a lot of multivitamins are shit so like centrum and all these things they're they're synthetic they're not well absorbed by the body and it's very low doses you know 100% of your daily value is they designed the daily value for what you need based on this is the bare minimum you need to not have disease. Not actually what's required by your body to function mm -hmm. optimally. 
and certainly not for athletes who sweat out. I mean, people think we sweat salt and water. We sweat all sorts of shit. We sweat toxins. We sweat vitamins and minerals. Uh, Victor Conti was the guy that I worked with who is best known for Balco. I worked with him after the Balco era. And, uh, but he had studied a lot of his athletes. You know, he worked with some of the best athletes of all time, Marion Jones, Barry Bonds. And what he found was chronically across the board, they had low levels of zinc and magnesium, which are critical for hormone production, recovery, sleep. So he, he created ZMA, which is a supplement that has uh, two highly bioavailable forms of zinc and magnesium. And he saw a huge turnaround in a lot of those athletes. So I think understanding that this doesn't mean everybody needs blood work, but there are things you can do that have a bigger impact on the body. And, you know, of course, yeah, Own the Day, Own Your Life by Aubrey Marcus is a phenomenal book start to finish on how you implement these daily practices because everything boils back down. You talked about having a three-year plan or a five-year plan and then backtracking that to what you need to do. Well, it's not what you need to do on a monthly or weekly basis that matters. It's what you do on a daily basis every single day you put a little deposit into yourself every day. You put a little deposit into the bank every day. You put a little deposit into your physical wellness and all these different avenues that really add up over time and yeah. consistency is king. So stick into it. If you fall off the wagon, get back on whatever the case is, having those practices on a daily basis really make a huge difference yeah. with the, um, like the green juice and like, um, intermittent fasting. Like I love how I feel with intermittent fasting. But I'm kind of curious because I like drinking, you know, green juice. One of the first things in the morning, kind of after I do some movement in the morning, as Aubrey also talks about, um, it's, you know, you want to go for like intermittent fasting, like 12 to 16 hours. But if I have like the green juice in the morning, then it's, it's more closer to like 11, 12. And I'm kind of, it has like some calories. So then it's, Although my actual meal, let's say like eggs or breakfast, isn't until like noon, it's still kind of breaking the intermittent fasting. Yeah, it's for but, sure breaking the fast. I so mean, how would you, can, you how would you kind of go around that? Because like I, I, I don't know if you you used like uh, Organifi or something, mm -hmm. but if I have it like with a meal or too close to a meal, I'll start feeling kind of like fatigued and, mm. and strange. Yeah, uh, I don't typically have that response if I have green juice with a meal, but mm -hmm. I would say that pushing that window back, and one of the ways you can do this is if you know you like having green juice at 9 a.m., cut your last food intake to 5 p.m. Mm -hmm. And if you get hungry at night before bed, just having more sea salt water, you'll be good. You know, th that'll help curb the appetite. You'll sleep better because you've given yourself more time to process your dinner before you go to sleep and that really impacts deep sleep. We, we know this if you have an yeah, aura yeah. ring or a whoop watch and, um, and then you start at nine, you still made your 16 hours and there's a great, there's a, there's an app called zero, yeah, got that one. uh, that is awesome. It'll track all your fasting and you just punch in, you know, when your last food intake was. And then if you have a, you know, a traditional 16, eight fast to feeding window, then it'll beep whenever you're ready to go again, whenever yeah. you're ready to have the food. But, Getting into the habit of that and chipping away at it makes all the difference in the world. And I think, you know, it's not always that I'll finish my food by five o'clock. If I don't get off until five or five thirty, then I'll probably eat an hour later. But I can still get 14 and a half or 15 hours in on a day like that and be OK with it. I yeah. think that's really important to understand what uh, you mentioned, like drinking uh, sea salt and kind of stuff. What kind of salt? Because I know Ben Greenfield talks about. Uh, and what I currently use, like Celtic salt, but then there's also like Aztec salt. Yeah, but like Celtic salt doesn't have. The <laughs> <laughs> man's like amazing, but Celtic salt doesn't have iodide, and iodide is necessary, no? Iodine is is good, and it's important for thyroid function. Um, you can load on that. I mean, you can you can have like sea kelp and sea vegetables, and they're available at you know any good market, uh, Asian markets or Whole Foods, things like that. Um, but it's not, you know, like this idea that we have a huge deficiency in, in iodine is true to an extent, but that doesn't mean having fucking chemical table salt because they added iodine to it. Mm -hmm. Like Morton's is absolute crap. And Morton's sea salt is still absolute crap. Celtic sea salt and then supplementing with iodine is going to go a lot further in your body. Pink Himalayan salt and supplementing with iodine is going to go a lot further. So, um, 
and I think it's fairly cheap to supplement with. We have a liquid that comes, it's organic. It comes from uh, sea kelp and you just take a couple drops a day and you're good to go. That so keeps definitely still need up. it though. Uh, it is something you need. But like I said, if you're eating stuff from the sea and especially mm -hmm. sea vegetables, it's quite likely, you know, even on a weekly basis that you'll mm -hmm. load up on that. Same thing goes for, for organ meat. You know, if you have organ meat, there's a lot of fat soluble vitamins in that that will last you a long time. If I eat organ meat once a week, I'm gonna load up on heme iron, which is incredibly bioavailable. I'm gonna load up on vitamin A and a number of other things that are really important for my immune system and my body. Mm -hmm. Awesome. I wanna go back to um, kind of hacking with the flow. You talk about breath work and on your um, episode on the Joe Rogan show, you talk about um, you guys, I think you were, you were touching on get kind of being able to calm down the autonomic nervous system and with the, with breath work, do you have any good suggestions? I know you guys have brought like teachers here, mm -hmm. but somebody like myself, I want to get more into breath work. Like I've tried meditation and other kind of practices, but being able to calm the breath. Like I know, uh, Aubrey talks about the six, uh, six deep breaths. Yep. I know, um, there's another big, uh, I forgot his name, talks about, you know, taking deep breaths and then breathing it out with like a, like as if you're going through a straw, like very mm -hmm. small mm -hmm. and, and it's able to kind of calm that. And then you can focus on like what, okay, what do I need to do next kind of thing? Do you have any, any yeah. good books? So there's, um, first I learned, you know, Wim Hof Method from WimHofMethod.com. It was a $200 course. It's a 10 week course. He teaches yoga, cold therapy, and this Wim Hof style of breathing, which is super ventilation is what my friends at Art of Breath call it. And it's really good. I mean, it, it will hype you up. Uh, the breath holds work on CO2 retention. So as long as you have that balance, it can be very beneficial uh, from a health and wellness standpoint. Also, you feel really good. You get high yeah. on your own supply. Taking it a step further, um, and I mentioned Art of Breath. Art of Breath, I think, is on powerspeedendurance.com. And it's a whole section that's devoted to every type of breath work. So they talk to you from how to unlock the physical body through the psoas and the diaphragm. So you actually can take a deep breath. And then they teach you, you know, how to breathe first thing in the morning to wake up, how to breathe to slow down, to calm down before you go to bed, how to breathe in between sets during wow. hard exercise. I mean, it is a full day's worth of breathing and completely comprehensive. And it's for sure, I mean, we've had them out here twice and on it, we're, we're now have them set up to come out every single year. Um, so if you can make it to one of their seminars, it is incredibly transformative. And it's just a day long, it's like an eight hour in, in a single day. But if not, you can do it anywhere online, you know, and getting into Art of Breath with Brian McKenzie and Rob Wilson is, it's one of the easiest ways to master breath. And I think from there, you know, practice, 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 doesn't matter what it is. And, and there's many, many forms that they'll give you. So one of the ways that I've been really honing in is doing really slow um, zone two exercise where I'll run, you know, three to five miles and I'll only breathe through my nose the entire time. Or I'll do a 10K row on the concept two rower and that'll last me 45 minutes, but I'm only breathing through my nose the entire time. And so that is, it's, it's regulating how much air I can take in. But also when you breathe through your nose, what happens? Your, your diaphragm works better. You clean the air, right? So you're, you're going to naturally belly breathe a bit more than if you're huffing and puffing, breathing through your chest and all these accessory muscles in your neck and scalenes. So really it just comes down to how much am I practicing these things that are going to pay dividends longer and the more. I can incorporate those things throughout the day. The better I feel, the better I think, the better I operate. Yeah. Paul Check talks about belly breathing too, right? I, mm -hmm. I heard uh, Ben Greenfield talk about something like he had like a string, I think, around his tummy because he would be breathing too much with his uh, chest. Mm -hmm. He would try, like, try that because like, when I heard that episode, I don't know when it was. One of the things you can do is you can just place your hands on both obliques. And then as you breathe, when you think of belly breathing, people think of sticking their belly out like a pregnant woman. It's not that it's expanding through these obliques. So as you take a deep breath in with your hands just above your hips on your obliques, you should feel that widen at the same time as your belly's coming out because then you're breathing through every corner 
of the diaphragm. And as that goes up, then you'll breathe into your chest last in the last third okay, that really of your breath. So you still want to breathe into your chest to get a full breath. And certainly if you're doing six deep breaths, like Aubrey talks about, that's the way you want to breathe yeah. to reset yourself. But you know, I mean, there's, there's just for one quick example for people to try, you know, you could put your hands on your obliques and try that, but breathe for four seconds in and breathe for eight seconds out. And just by doubling your exhale, which is parasympathetic, yeah. you will dip into parasympathetic state where you're really relaxed and calm. And it only takes six deep breaths, but double that exhale, four seconds in, eight seconds out. And you'll notice that. I mean, it is, it's a feeling. And that's, that's what's cool about that is you don't have to take my word for it. Just fucking do it. Yeah. You know, you'll get it. An interesting uh, thought that came up when you were talking about the belly breathing. And, and I was one of those people that, you know, foolishly, oh, my belly needs to be fat like a pregnant woman. It brought up the idea of consistency and practice. I don't know how this thought kind of just jumped in my head. But when we're like, whether it's practicing, practicing plays, shooting a basketball into a hoop or, or anything, you know, you need that consistency. Mm -hmm. But also it has to be like the right practice it's not practice makes perfect it's perfect practice correct makes perfect so how, how is it with learning about and getting to the confidence to know that i'm doing it properly right so that's where coaching comes into place you know same thing with plant medicines having a great guide or shaman guide you is really critical to learn how to navigate those waters same thing goes for breath work or basketball or anything else, meditation, get a good coach. And I think from there, as you begin to practice and have some level of mastery, it's easier to take the reins and do it by yourself. But um, yeah, you don't want to do it wrong. So if people watch a video on how to deadlift on YouTube and then start practicing deadlifts, they might get hurt. But if you have a great coach, mm -hmm. somebody that can walk you through that over time, you don't need the coach anymore. Like Jesse Burke taught me how to lift weights properly. And even though I still love working out with Jesse, when I come back to California, I can get away with lifting really heavy without him because I, I've learned those basic mechanics, right? Mm -hmm. Same thing goes with the breath. You don't need to sign up for a breathwork course and pay them the rest of your entire life. Just get the basic fundamentals down and have a practice that you're good at. And then from there, oh, you're right. good going forward. Uh, meditation, if you suck at meditation, I've heard a lot of good things about TM, transcendental meditation. It's not cheap, but you know, if that's, that's a practice that you have no level of mastery with and you want to dive in, that's an excellent way. Uh, reading books is excellent too. You know, th there's a great book called the science of mindfulness by Dr. Ronald Siegel, who's a Harvard professor. It's one of my favorite books on meditation and it's one of the great courses on audible. So you can listen to that while you're in the car, doing yeah. your commute, traveling on a plane. Audible's great. So I think having ways that you can trickle in information is really Im impactful in, in optimizing your knowledge base and your wisdom. You know, you don't have to just devote an hour to reading every night before bed. You can let that trickle in while you're at the office on the computer. You can do it while you're on a walk. Uh, I mean, Paul check would, would listen to books on tape while working out. He'd never listen to music. He would just I understand. process I, I, I just... really good information. You know, I couldn't do that. That's what I'm saying. Like, I want to like, get how hyped do you, up, you know, it's like, but, yeah, exactly. And how but, are you really uh, like learning it? Yeah. Well, that dude's retained it. There's no fucking <laughs> doubt. There's no doubt about that. Awesome. Well, um, I guess I never really got clear on how much time we have, but I want to be as respectful as I can. But I got final questions that I really like to, you know, learn from you about mm -hmm. with all that you were, you were telling me and that all that you kind of retained and learned to the point that you are now, uh, whether it was, you know, reading, uh, at, at the job at the strip club to, you know, the wonderful synchronistic, uh, events that led to meeting Aubrey and getting this awesome role here, all of that col col uh, culminated together. What habits would, or what advice and what habits would you, did you wish you had at my age? Yeah. Um, well, everything's perfect timing. So understand that. I mean, that, that really, you know, life will come to you at the time you can process it. So understanding that, that 
all these things happened at the exact right time for me. And I could have rushed that or could have done it better earlier. And maybe that would have had this job sooner and all those things. But the experiences that I went through shaped who I am right now. Um, for, for younger folks coming out of college, you know, there's, there's an interesting concept that Paul Chick taught me about. And this pertained specifically to me when I was thinking of the strip club, working in a strip club. And it's this idea of the prostitute archetype. So the prostitute archetype used incorrectly would be a stripper who remains a stripper their entire life, enjoys the money and uh, squanders it and never really uses that to do the thing they love. And this is, I mean, if they love stripping and they're doing the thing they love, it doesn't matter. But if they hate their job and this applies to anyone, it doesn't have to be a stripper, but if you hate your job and you're working that with no end in sight, with no means of getting out, with with no savings, with no real direction on how you're going to move past that, that's the prostitute archetype used incorrectly. The prostitute archetype used correctly is I'm going to do this thing that I don't want to do for now. And that will give me money and put food on the table and allow me to pay bills. And eventually I'll get to do the thing that I love. So understanding wherever you're at, if you're in a situation that you don't like, think of the thing that you're passionate about. You don't necessarily need to know how it's going to work out, but push yourself in that direction. Continue to learn that thing, acquire skills in that thing, and then opportunities will come up where you're able to transition from the thing you don't like to the thing that you love. Mm -hmm. That might also answer my next question, but I want to try this. You're looking at me and let's say I'm your 22 year old Kyle. What are you telling me? Uh, I get this question a lot. There's, there's a few things. One, breathe deep, breathe often. I think that's one of the quickest ways to manage stress. And uh, I was fucking super stressed out at that age. So breathe deep, breathe often. And then understand that it gets better with age. I was told my great uncle told me this when I was seven years old, that it gets better with age. And I was like, what gets better with age? And he's like, everything. And I'm like, no, that's not true. It can't be everything. It's like everything gets better. Every year you're on this planet, it gets better if you're doing it right. And I think understanding that, that has certainly been the case for me. And obviously there's trade-offs. Like I can't put my body through the ringer the way I did with alcohol and drugs the way when I was young. I can't go out and run a 50K ultramarathon like I did five years ago. I can't do a lot of things that I used to do because I'm getting older. My physical body can't do that. But my appreciation and joy and zest for life is at an all time high. And that's only getting better. And every year it gets better. Every year I'm able to hone in and because I'm doing the work, life gets better in all directions. And I think it's really important to understand that as long as you're doing the work and as long as you're on the path, you'll find that every single year gets better and better. So having that understanding when I was young, I think that really would have led into that trust, faith, and belief that what I'm doing is working and yeah. just to know, you know, and that's an important reminder for me right mm -hmm. now, you know, when life gets tough right now to know it will get easier. This too shall pass as Eckhart says, and just understanding the storm always moves away. It always gets bright and clear and, and sunny. So yeah. just knowing that about life really allows me to take things, keep things in perspective when there is challenges and struggle. Yeah, I know. And I've heard, and we have a lot of like, uh, kind of proof now that questions, you know, are the answers. The mind hates closed loops. Are there any questions you like to ask yourself that really kind of prime the day or help you help you maintain that focus and that and and be in that, uh, you know, gratitude state? Yeah, there was uh, it's funny because it is a it's kind of a raw, raw book. But Lou Holtz was a great football coach, coach at Notre Dame. Uh, if you watch ESPN football, you've seen him, you know, on the college football broadcast team, you know, talking about different teams and all that. Um, in his book, he has an acronym for win and it's what's important now. So if you want to win at anything in life, what's important, what's important now, now, right now. And this again is a drawing back into the present moment, right? I may have a laundry list of shit to do in a day, but what's important right now, that, that answer is different at every point during the day. So I don't need to worry too far in advance. Like what's important now, my podcast with Solomon, that's it. I don't need to worry about my next podcast or product development meeting or anything after that, the maps dinner tonight for psychedelic science, all that shit's on the schedule, but my head is here now because this is what's important now, 
right? And I think having that clear understanding, not only is it a reminder to be present, but it also really helps you focus on how to prioritize life. You know, it could be anything. Like if I, if I know I'm gonna work out later and my body feels stiff, what's important now might be just opening up my body. It might be doing some preemptive mobility and getting, you know, taking the time to have a longer warm up so I don't get hurt in the workout. What's important now always changes, but it's always a great question that I ask myself. And then being able to be honest with that, that comes with time too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just, That's just awesome. more, more knowledge, embodiment of that knowledge is wisdom. Thank you so much, man. Hell I, got, yeah, I got one final question Kay. I'll ask, but I really want to just appreciate you. And, you know, I, I, I see a lot of kind of myself in, in you. And I, that's why I wanted to reach out and approach you and, and learn it all that I can. And, and it's just like you touch on so many things. And even that question at the end that I know I myself need to work on. And it's that, that um, prostitute archetype, you know, getting clear on where I want to go so I can trust and have that longer, higher perspective. And so that just, I'm just truly, you know, I'm also trying to soak in this because this is, it's awesome. What is the gift that you'd like to share with the world? The gift is play. You know, this has come up for me in plant medicine ceremonies uh, many, many times. When I'm living in love or living in fear, there are two different ways that plays out in my life. If I'm living in love, shit's not so serious. I play more, I laugh more, I enjoy more. When I'm living in fear, life is very serious. I don't laugh much. Uh, I get angered easily out of that fear. And I'm trying to protect the things that I have rather than being present. And my head will often be, if I'm in fear, thinking of a future I don't want or a past that I don't want to relive. So how I direct that if I'm feeling a lot of fear or if I'm feeling um, just not going the way that I want it is I will try to construct a way to play more and to get out of my head. And that could be with my son. It could it might be going to a bowling alley and just focusing on that. It might be going and doing archery where you really can't think and you, you want to do something where you can't think about anything else because you'll suck. You know, like Laird Hamilton getting towed in on a 50 foot wave, he can't think about a damn thing else other than how to surf that wave. That's it, right? So things that draw you into the present moment, that pull you into flow, can be really impactful because they create space. And that's all meditation is. It's creating space for your mind to turn off for just a moment. Then when you go back to the thinking mind, you have more bandwidth. You've got a lot more energy there for, the, for that activity. Um, but yeah, if I'm living in fear, how can I jump back to that? It's not fake it till I make it where I'm just you know, walking around with a shitty grin on my face and feeling dead on the inside. It's literally, I'll put a comedy on, I'll laugh at something. I'll, I'll play with my son or, or just play in the gym. And I think in those circumstances, you can reverse engineer. We know that from breath work alone. If you're in a fight or flight sense and you wanna reverse engineer your neurochemistry and the way your body's operating, slow your fucking exhale down. And as you do that, you'll start to settle back down and dip into parasympathetic. So any state that you're in, you're in control of. You have a choice to make it every moment in time in life. And I think the more we understand that, the greater our responsibility is to ourselves and to those around us because we can share that information. But more importantly, we can be the living example of that. Awesome. Thank you so much. Hell yeah, brother. Do, we, awesome. just, do we just cut out what yeah, it's? Yeah, that's it, man. Thank you very much for tuning in and listening to these wonderful gifts, which I hope have brought you some great value. We have many more guests to come and gifts pour over this world. And don't forget, if you have enjoyed any of these episodes or would like to hear some more, please leave me a review on Apple or Anchor Podcast or that little star on Outcast. I'm always looking for topics to learn and talk about, gifts to share, and value to bring to us all. For more updates, check out SolomonEzra.com. You can also sign up for my newsletter about new podcasts and blogs.